We're the Nada Grande Boys. I'm Rodney Wood. And I'm Kyle Jackson. Welcome to the Nada Grande Outdoors podcast where we hunt it forward. Now we're waiting for Kyle to join us. Any day now, Kyle. Attempting to get Kyle Jackson, Kyle the Lumber Jackson, joined with us here on our Instagram live podcast. What up, Care Junkie Jerry? What up, Kyle Jackson? Yeah, Junkie Jerry's with us. Yes, yes. What up, Rodney Wood? I am. Sitting in my house, you're sitting at your house, so we're doing a live podcast. <laughs> that is correct. Um, that that would be correct. Yeah. So typically we do all of the whole sound check and everything before we start recording and all of that stuff. But so as like I was explaining to you a minute ago on the phone, um, the uh, your headset is on my phone <laughs> with the little <laughs> microphone. Right above the, uh, right above the earpiece there, so it's recording. So you're gonna have to give me a little story real quick, Kyle, so I can so I can sound check you. <laughs> sound check one two. Okay, so the story is here's the fun story. Um, my apologies to the to the listeners because uh, <laughs> Rodney and I talked earlier today. Right. And right. it's been a crazy. It's been, a, it's been a crazy day for me. I've been trying to book hunts and, and do all kinds of other fun stuff, um, get a new guide in, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, so Rodney and I talked earlier today. What time was it? Probably 2 o'clock? Yeah, like 3, 3 o'clock when 3 we talked because you were on your way home. Yeah. Oh, and then you called me when I was at home and told me to post. Are you there? Yeah. Are you here? Oh, don't give me that business. Technical difficulties. Okay. <laughs> How about now? You got me now. Your your internet, your internet sucks. <laughs> right, right. Well, anyway, so back to the story. Uh, we talked. I don't know what was it, two, three o'clock, something like that. Something like that, yeah. And I get home, and it's really nice out, and so uh, I completely float flies my mind that we're going to do a pot podcast tonight i load, load the kids and the wife up and we go up to the lake and do a little fishing and and start a fire to uh to cook some uh to cook some uh hot dogs and a, 
and about uh, 45 minutes ago, Rodney calls me and says, hey, what are you doing? I said, oh, nothing. What are you doing? And <laughs> he goes, uh, well, we're preparing for a podcast. <laughs> I go, Oops. oh, yeah. Okay. We're preparing for a podcast. And so I <laughs> helped with my butt, made my kids eat really fast and my wife. You hustled my butt back here so we could do this podcast. I made it like with three minutes to spare. Yeah, so yeah. that's why we're doing the sound check now. <laughs> right, right. No, no worries. We we got it. It seems like we're recording good. Another experiment on the Not Grande Outdoors podcast. Um, it is hot at my that's house because right. I have to turn the air conditioner off because all of this is sitting right underneath the air conditioner. So I'm going to be sweating a minute. Um, yes, you are. So. Not too long ago, um, there were some posts on Instagram, Facebook, stuff like that. Um, talking about the E-plus system and how that certain entity wanted to... Um, was trying to talk people into supporting the idea of getting rid of the E-plus system. And that's what we're here to talk yeah. about today. Uh, not definitely not getting rid of the E plus system. I'm I'm sure that we're all in agreement that it needs to be uh, tweaked, adjusted, looked at, uh, all of the above. Um, there's definitely some improvements that can be made, um, but I think as far as me and you are concerned, we are completely against getting rid of it. In totality. Well, correct? let's let's start out. Let's start out by saying that New Mexico is is one of very few states who actually um, have a private land system correct. for uh, for anything like that. Uh, I know. Um, that like Arizona and Montana for basically two examples is basically they don't do anything for landowners. If you draw, you can, and get, can get permission. You and and somebody tell me if I'm wrong, but this is the way I understand it in those two States. If you draw and you get permission, then you can hunt someone's private property, but they don't, the, the game of fish in those States don't actually have a private land system um, kind of designed like New Mexico does. And I think it's very key to point out that New Mexico Department of Game and Fish recognizes that private lands do um, they do provide meaningful habitat, and they do a ton of habitat work when you really look at it, a ton of habitat work that wildlife benefits from. And so when you look at the North American model of wildlife conservation, you know, not just the seven tenets, but you talk about um, the wildlife as public trust. The wildlife of New Mexico belong to the state of New Mexico, uh, the people of the state of New Mexico, and they don't belong to the landowners. And uh, I absolutely believe in that. Um, but there are some things that landowners do for wildlife that are very, very beneficial. And I think it's, I think it's important to recognize that New Mexico Game Fish has taken the stance that that is a good thing, and we want to um, recognize that. Yeah. So. Exactly. And, and so a couple of things. So one, the deer, as long as I can remember, has been 
over-the-counter private land tags. Um, and Antelope had the A-plus system until last year, year before. Um, and yeah. so deer have, have, have basically really not ever been managed on private land. Uh, it's been up to private landowners to manage that. Um, I'm not a fan of that system. Um, the A-plus system, you know, we were managing antelope on private land to an extent. Yeah. Not completely like we do on yeah. public, but to an extent. Um, the elk system, uh, particularly in the primary management zones, are core for those old-timers. Um, the Those herds are managed on private and public. Um, Correct. They, they yeah, take, they, the, they, the landowners have to. Exactly. So they, they take, the, basically the way, what they do um, is they take uh, a unit, 34, and they say, okay, out of unit 34, we can afford to, I've got the numbers right here in front of me for 2019 anyway, uh, we can afford to give um, 4,000 tax. Mm-hmm. And they say how much public land is in that unit. Okay, 50% of that, and, the, and these are not the correct numbers as far as land mass, uh, but for, for ease of seeing how it works, let's say 50% of it is public land in Unit 34, and 50% of it is private land in Unit yeah. 34. So what they're going to do is they're going to say, okay, we can, if we can, the herd will support a... 25% harvest rate of 4,000 animals, right? So they give 4,000 tags expecting a 25% harvest rate. Yep. And they take those 4,000 tags and they divide it 50-50 because it's 50% private land, 50% public land. So it's... Right. They, they, they assign it according to the land that is available. Um, if it was 75% public and 25% private, they would give 3000 to the public land draw and 1000 to the private land system. They do it by land Correct. ownership, you know, if it's public or private. So yeah. to me, that's just yeah. about as fair as you can possibly get, you know, because they're looking at the herd, they're looking at the, the expected harvest rate, and then they're saying we the herd can handle this much. And that's right. Exactly 100% what the um, tenants say in the wildlife conservation model, and that is science. This is supposed to be managed by science. Managed by yeah. science, exactly. And so, I, and so it, it's, again, I think um, important for people to, to recognize and understand the core units is where they are actively managing herds. It's where they're Correct. not working. They're, they're watching, you know, this, they, you know, they have a lot of data. This herd is uh, decreasing. This herd is increasing. This herd is staying the same. This is where they're actively, they have a vested interest in actively managing those herds. That's, that's primary units mm-hmm. or the, the primary, core units, what they used yeah. to be called core. Uh, um and then there's a couple other different units um, to, to talk about here. Uh, you, you explained the core units pretty well. Uh, you have 
a secondary unit, which is basically this is areas where elk, they don't quote unquote expect elk to be, but there are elk there. And so they're not actively managing those animals. They're not doing surveys, keeping uh, tabs on the population, et cetera, et cetera. And those ones have now become kind of an over the counter. You still have to register your uh, ranch mm-hmm. and get a ranch number, but mm-hmm. they don't no longer do authorizations. Yeah. And then and, they have. And, and just a side note on that, real quick. Units. Just a side note on that, real quick. They still have a public draw in those units. Yeah, they yeah, do. There's still a public yeah. draw. Um, and. Go ahead. Go ahead. <clears throat> yeah, there's still a public draw in those units. They're not allocating any tags to private land. If private land owners want them, oh. they can purchase them over uh, over the counter right yeah um and then and then you have a couple of special units um and they call those um basically that it's a it's a special special management zone and these are these are units where the majority of uh of the unit is private land large landowners well with private land and so they would basically according to the primary um primary unit uh, algorithm those landowners would would suck up all those tags and any any small contributor ranches wouldn't have a chance to get in, into the system and so they made a special carve out to say we think this is valid and we're gonna we're gonna they basically uh, manage that how the secondary used to be managed and that is base case by case basis uh, special number of allocations for those landowners yeah and so that that's the system as it is right now, and it's kind of evolved. Like I said, there there have used to have basically the the two different sides, the core, and what we know as a special management zone now was across the state, and they just decided to make a secondary as an over the counter because they're not actively managing those herds. Um, so that that's the system that we have today. But again, it's a, it's unique because. There's not not a lot of other states that are doing that, are recognizing landowner benefits and providing, you know, providing compensation, quote unquote compensation. And so that that's maybe something that we should get into real quick is. um, And I'm not going to call out. Well, I'm going to say who it was. Uh, I'm not going to call out the entire BHA. Because uh, the way I understand it, each chapter kind of does their own thing. Yeah. So the New Mexico BHA was saying we want to change the E plus system. Um, no, we don't. And they one of their reasoning is that the E plus system is not does not meet the North American wall, model of wildlife cons- conservation, which is bullcrap. Because what they're doing is they're just looking at the tenants and not looking at the original study that was done. Um, additionally. Um, so they're they're citing the tenant that uh, you know wildlife should not be hunted commercially. Yeah, and they're saying that these landowners getting tags, getting tags—that's one of the problems. Getting tags is commercial hunting. Well, it's not because they don't get tags. No. What happens is they get an authorization. That authorization then goes to a hunter. The hunter then purchases that authorization from the New Mexico Game and Fish to turn it into a tag. So basically what they're paying for is a trespass right onto the ranch. Exactly. Not they're not buying the animal. And that's they're a, buying a tag to hunt the animal. And that's a big deal. So 
So in, in the scenario that I explained earlier, like, like we say, you know, we're going to get a hundred tax to public land and a hundred tax to private land, whatever. Um, so basically what they'll have several ranches and each one of those ranches, depending on size or whatever gets in qualifications, um, which they have a new qualification system. And we'll get into that here in a little bit. Um, uh, They'll say, hey, okay, you qualify for three tags this year. Here's your three authorization numbers. Then that person advertises um, an elk hunt. And a person says, yeah, I want to buy it. And uh, he purchases it. And then that guy gives him the authorization number. The landowner gives the hunter the authorization number. And the authorization number is is nothing more than a number that allows them to get onto go online and purchase an elk license just like me or you do at the same price that an, any other non-resident and granted it could be a resident that purchases this there it's, it's open to resident and non-resident um, and that's all it does so what that person is paying for let's say he gives the landowner ten thousand dollars what he's paying for is the property He's paying for the right yes. to trespass and hunt on that person's property. I don't let people come through my gate. You know, I'm not going to let them go out to my back property and have a party for free. You know, if you have a building and you rent it out, you charge. That's what's happening here. They're not charging for this elk. If they have crappy property, they're not charging a lot. If they have a great property and they've put a cabin on it and they rent it out and they hire a cook and they feed this person, that's that money. They're not charging for the elk tag. They're charging for the experience that they provide on their own property. That's it. Yeah. And so, to me, that really needs to be separated. We're, they're not, like you said, they're not selling a tag. They're selling an opportunity to hunt an animal on their property. The Department of Game and Fish is still selling yep. that tag. We still get that money. That money still goes to the, the Wildlife Protection Fund, which have, helps pay for habitat restoration, etc., etc., etc. So that that's a very important distinction to make. That they're that they're saying that this is this is you know that these landowners are being compensated with tags. Well, they're not. They're being they're being given the opportunity to receive or to sell trespass rights. Um, for people to buy a tag and come hunt on their place, yeah. and that's all it is. And, and, and so to... they're they're receiving quote unquote quote unquote compensation. It is just their compensation is just an incentive mm-hmm. for people to come and exclusively hunt on their place. Exactly, and... and that's for again, that's for them. That's for their that incentive or that compensation is for those landowners showing that they are doing good habitat work on their property. Exactly. And that's the point that I was going to make next. Um, like I said, if somebody wants to you know, rent a building that I own or something like that, I'm going to charge them and then they can use it. And this is basically the same thing. Our elk, which they, they so gracefully yeah. pointed out, those elk belong to us, the people of New Mexico. And those elk are trespassing. Mm-hmm. They're eating the grass. They're tearing up fences. They're they're on private property that we don't own, and yeah. that's that's all we're doing is saying, okay, listen, you own this much, so you have this much of a right 
to you know purchase those deals or or to you know to have those authorizations go go to your property um yeah and so there's, let's, there's, let's, let's get into a little bit more about the actual system that's in place because i want to talk about that i also yeah. want to talk about um about what i actually think the system sh- should be because i because i can do that now um and then i want to talk about what the push is from this group yeah. and, and kind of what's behind it. Yeah. As far as I understand. Yeah. And, and so I, let's get into, we've, we've, into yeah. the E plus system. And I, I want to state to you right now that I, you know, I want to reach out to her and get her on the podcast again, because I, I would like to know exactly what, you know, I've, I've heard her say that, you know, that they think Arizona is the gold standard, which, eh, um, you know, if, if you like Arizona's systems, Go live in Arizona. Uh, this is New Mexico. Um, I'm in Arizona. Yeah. All right. Proceed, sir. All right. So, um, well, you've kind of gone through the, the E plus. We've, we've pretty much kind of explained the E plus system, mm-hmm. but I want you to break down. So, I'll, I'll lay out kind of what was said in in that post. They. The New Mexico chapter of BHA was giving away, and here's a really funny thing: giving away <laughs> the irony. A, oh, the a irony. unit wide giving away a unit wide tag from the E plus system to get to basically drive up membership of the BHA so that they could fight against the E plus system. Right. Yeah, and they're giving that, away that's one basically of these what, tags. What it they, was. Yeah, they're giving away one of these tags that correct. they're wanting to get rid of. Um, yes, correct. And so I basically called them out because in their post they 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 said that every hunter knows that um, the E plus system is biased against and I'm I'm paraphrasing here but biased against the public hunter that the that over half over half of the elk tags in New Mexico go to a small number of landowners and that the public land hunters are treated as an afterthought in this system that that was the claim that they made Uh in order to push this membership drive to challenge the e-plus system in new mexico that was the claim that's made and that that was really what made me mad because it's completely completely untrue Uh it it was a bald-faced lie in order to drive membership um on top of the irony of giving away an e-plus tag to fight e-plus and so, um, looking at the numbers, when you look at the numbers from 2019, mm-hmm. a total of, uh, do you have those in front of you? Uh, what are you looking at? Let's are you see. looking at total, total, total numbers? I'm looking at total. So total number of license, elk licenses that were sold in 2019 was 37,055. 37, yep. The total uh, number of public licenses that were sold public licenses that were sold were 23,879. That left a total of 13,176 licenses sold to the private. That doesn't sound like authorizations, authorizations, not sold authorizations. Keep in mind, those are just the authorizations because of, of those authorizations um, for 2019, there were 8,491 authorizations issued in 2019 primary management zone 
right. but only 6,347 of those tags were sold. So 25% yeah. of the tags, so, the primary management zones, were not sold. Correct. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, that's kind of what I wanted to highlight. So <laughs> when you, <clears throat> excuse me, <coughs> Easy to when talk. you look at, sorry, I'm blow a gasket. Um, when you look at the land ownership in New Mexico, there's 77 give or take 77 million acres of land in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. Of that, approximately 22 million are, is public land. So what we would call public land Mm -hmm. between BLM, Forest Service, Mm -hmm. National Monuments, um, all of that. Um, And so when you look at that, roughly, oh, roughly a third. Let's, let's say, just for good round numbers, roughly a third of New Mexico is public. That means two-thirds of it is private, privately owned, whether it's individuals or entities. And so when you look at the number in from 2019, number of, of licenses sold, total 37,000. Public licenses sold, 23,000. Private licenses sold, um, 13,000. You have an almost flip-flop of that. Yep. Almost a third of them, almost a third of them were private, and two-thirds of them were public. And so the lopsidedness is actually on the public side. And that was another claim that they made was that the Game and Fish was treating their the public hunters as an afterthought. And I can I can tell you from personal experience, ten years in the in the Game and Fish, every decision that is made is heavily weighed in favor of public hunters and public access. And so those those are really the two things that pissed me off about that post because they were blatantly lying to try and push membership. And I have again, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand with BHA on things that I think they're doing right. I think they do some great work, volunteer work on the ground, on cleaning up trash, things like that. I think they do some great work, uh, and I'm gonna stand with them like on the Great American Outdoors Act. We did a podcast on that. Yeah, Uh, I think that's fantastic. Although we got eight up for that. We did, we did, but I think it's a fantastic thing to try and um, address critical infrastructure in our national parks, even yep. though we don't get to hunt in them. But I also think it's a great thing to fully fund the Land and Water Conservation yep. Fund, and that's the real win in the Great American Outdoors Act. And I'm going to stand with them on that, but I'm going to call them out whenever they do something like this. That is, and again, I'm not calling out the entire BHA. I'm calling out New Mexico's chapter because it's com- it's complete bullcrap. Yeah, and whenever you're going to lie like this to try and drive membership. Yeah, yeah, and split. And and here's the other thing that we always talk about: dividing hunters. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and and um, the hypocrisy of using one of these tags to do it. I mean, that to me yeah. is just. I, I scratch my head. You know. Uh, so you the reason the reason I scratch my head the reason I scratch my head with that. Uh, hunt it forward, okay? Without private land authorizations and these generous um, um, outfitters and private landowners who have donated those tags to us, we would not have been able to take any of our hunt it forward hunters hunting. And it would be that much harder for new hunters to get into the game. 
And that is not something we want. We want new hunters. And I don't want to go off on a tangent, but um, because we we looked at this uh, back when we looked at our draw stuff. We didn't draw antelope. We really wanted to go antelope hunting. And so we looked at Wyoming. Mm -hmm. And everything I could tell about Wyoming was you had to have at least five points to even have a chance of drawing. Mm-hmm. And so you got to wait five years to even put in. That is such a that is such a uh, discouragement to new hunters. Yeah. And we need those new hunters to build our our habitat monies and continue to do great habitat work. We need new hunters coming into the sport, um, without a doubt. And like you said, without those private land tags and without those private landowners and outfitters being generous that would not have happened. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you think, got into think the all, numbers a little bit more. Um, yeah. Go ahead. You got into the numbers a little bit more. So so kind of walk us through that um, just in the primary management zone and and the, the just just walk us through a few of those numbers. Yeah, so, so one of the things that I want to point out is, you know, so a couple of years back, they were they, – they were – it was the the four years was up for the elk, um, uh, for the elk rules, right? And so they were going through and having all of their meetings and stuff like that. And uh, in all of their public meetings, one of the one thing that I do want to point out is is just kind of a sidebar. The the vast majority of the meetings that pertain to the public were empty or canceled because nobody, nobody showed, up. showed up. Every single yep. one that I went to that that pertained to this system of e plus for private land hunters was packed standing room only because those private landowners understand yes. and they're in there um because that's their livelihood and so they go to these meetings because it impacts them greatly um but anyway so they went through these changes so here's a few of these numbers and this is for the small contributing ranches um and basically what they did in in, in that year um, for the, for some of the changes was they kind of one of the things that they did is they revamped the qualifications for a small contributing ranch they they revamped the point system you know so like one of the things that we talked about is these places are providing habitat for the elk population that belongs to us New Mexicans right on private yep. land so they revamped the scoring system to make sure that these properties were actually providing uh, quality habitat to the herd before they qualified for a tag, yeah. right? So before yep. some, of, some of the numbers, before the changes were made on small contributing ranchers from 1 to 20 acres, they were giving away almost 600 tags across the state for small contributing ranches, one to 20 acres. Since the change, that number is down to about 230. So they really cleaned up the qualifications. So a lot of these properties that were getting, uh, going through the process and getting these tags in the primary management zones, small contributing ranches, one to 20 acres, they got rid of them because they weren't contributing to the wildlife. so and so here and so here's the other thing I can add some kind of some insight to that on on why that happened. Um, the under the old system, 
once you drew a tag, you dropped to the basically to the bottom of the draw list, yes. and you had to work your way back up. And so, what they were doing, what landowners were doing to get around that, is uh, because their these land. tags, you know, these author, these authorizations are, are valuable to them and are, are very beneficial to their um, to their uh, ranches mm-hmm. and their livelihood. Is they would split their land up and enroll different pieces of the same property into it as a small contributing ranch and so then they would when whenever they enrolled that would bump them back to the front of the line as a small new small contributing ranch and so that's that's what was happening and so the game and fish again wanting to be fair to everybody mm-hmm. said yeah we need to we need to we need to fix this um we need to base this off of people who are actually providing meaningful benefit mm-hmm. and so one you know the, the criteria that they go by are are things like what's the forage provided or the forage value provided is there water, water nearby space, um, are they near are they they get more they get more you know points if they're near public land you know because they're mm-hmm. providing a resting area for for those animals and so that was a great change and it, and, it, mm-hmm. and it looks like it it actually worked the way they wanted it to yeah it did and and the same thing for 21 to 40 acre ranches um, they were giving close to 400. Now they're getting given out just over 200. Um, it's not until mm-hmm. it's not until you get to the 81 to 160 acre ranches that you have an increase. So they went from about 410 tags before the change to about 450 after the change. So those larger ranches met more of the qualifications, got more tags. Um, the 161 exactly. plus acre ranches, say, is it- yeah. The, the 161 shows, plus acres. That the criteria are working. Exactly. And the 161 plus acre ranches uh, went from about 250 to about 350. So all in all, in total, um, you know, I could, I, could probably, I could probably give you, you know, just a rough estimate real quick. Um, And so, and so, while he's doing it, I think it's I think it's very important to to note um, that we're going to give you these numbers, um, but you you can find these numbers; uh, they're not they're not secret. Um, it it's important to know what is happening before you jump to a conclusion. Yeah. So, um, go ahead. Three hundred tags. That's what we saved. Three hundred tags. Uh, How many? Three hundred. Yeah. Three hundred. So that's 300 tags that now aren't necessarily. I, I don't know what they do with those 300 tags. You know, I don't. I don't know if they go into the public draw system instead of the the, the private land system. I don't. I don't know how that works. Um, it would be great to know what's happening, but I do know that pr- prior to the changes, that's the number that they were getting about 1,950, uh, 2,000, and. And after they're giving away about 300 less, uh, after yeah. they change that criteria, you know, so th- that's your small contributing ranches. Um, and, and that's a good change, you know, um, yeah. one of the issues I have, and I think this is a good place to bring it up is unit wide. Um, yeah. like, I think like, this is, I think this is a spot where where we should kind of, as as sportsmen, kind of stand up and say, "Yeah, I don't like how this is. It needs to change." And I I 
I think it needs to change based on what I've seen on the ground. Yeah, and that's and and, and this is why. So at the beginning, we said that that the E plus system has some things that could absolutely be um, changed, and and this, but it also has some really good things. Um, this is one of those things that I think definitely could change because it is unfair. And that's all we want. And that's what we're going to talk about this entire podcast is being fair to public and private landowners. So the E-plus system, a guy can have one acre of land, qualify as a small contributing ranch, get a bull tag, and sign up for unit-wide, hunt all the public land property in exchange for allowing us to hunt his property. Dude's got one acre. That's just Yeah, we saw this. We saw this we saw this in 6C. We, and, we did. And you look on the map. We did, but, but, and I, I want to point this out because, so I went back and looked at that. You know what that little stretch yeah. did? It provided what? access. Connected to the connected to, It yeah. connected us to the public land, which is important. I know. It, it is important. Um, but here's the issue that I have with it is it's mapped in in a in a an app that no longer works well, that's one problem um the rain the pocket ranger app they dropped game and fish and so it no longer works and so it is it's, um, it's in carry maps okay anyways it um it's not designated you're basically relying on on the carry maps app and it's not designated. It's not fenced. Nothing is signed. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, you can't. Now tell I it. have seen. Yeah, you don't know where they're, they're, the fences don't match up. Yeah. And what I have seen is in some in some different GMUs where um, landowners do this. They they op- they do open unit wide, and they make it as hard as possible for public hunters. And so they'll say, okay, my, my ranch is unit wide. It's 50 acres. Their hunters can go onto the public land. And, but they say, as long as they say it, as long as they do it evenly, they can do this. They say my ranch is walk in only. So that means their hunters can only walk in, but also the public hunters can only walk in. Well, their hunters aren't on their ranch. They're going and they're driving all over the rest of the public land. And so I think there's there's some room for vast improvement in this. And I, I don't know what the answer is specifically, but I think that that needs to be looked at by Game and Fish and pushed by sportsmen to say, hey, let's reevaluate this unit wide. And, <clears throat> and what is it actually providing for us? Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. So, so I, I'm not we, a fan of the unit wide system, um, but. At, at the same token, I am not in favor of, of taking all authorizations away from private landowners because that's just not the answer to me. Yeah. Not at all. And so the other part, and I guess uh, maybe this is a good place to transition into this, unless you got something else to say about, you know, wide. Um, uh, I, d- I don't. The other... I have some more numbers, but go ahead. Okay. Um well, let's go ahead and go through those numbers, and then then I'll get into the secondary zone. Okay. So, I one of the things that I looked up, you know, because we were talking about earlier about uh, the percentages, right? Um, so I looked up some game management units. One of the things that I looked at 
and, and this is going to kind of want to segue into another little thing as well. Uh, one of the units that I looked at was Unit 34. Um, mm-hmm. There's 3,104 tags sold. That's not authorizations. That's sold. Tags sold. Uh, yeah. 730 of those were private tags, private land tags sold. I'm sure there were more authorizations, but those authorizations didn't get sold. So there were 730 total tags sold in Unit 34. That's 24%. couple of things. Mm-hmm. First off, those are not all um, non-residents. A large chunk Correct. of those tags, I got the number right here, a large chunk of those tags, um, 267 of those tags were, were cow tags. And mm-hmm. something around 50% of the cow tags gets sold to New Mexico residents. Something around 20, I think, I'd have to go back, but I think it's around 20 of the either sex tags that got sold in that unit were to residents. So um, it's not all non-residents, and it's not all um, that big of a number, especially when you look at... You know, you, you take out Things those, are not lopsided. Yeah, it's not lopsided at all. I mean, 24% total. Um, the the standard is 84% of tags going to residents. So if you take out that 50% of tags that are going to residents, this private land tag, man, the numbers just, they're there. You know, yeah. for all of these people that say all the non-residents are getting those tags, they're not. And, and the, uh-huh. numbers, the numbers show that. So... Um, another yeah. another unit so, I another unit I looked at was the Gila, which is our big one of the biggest you know elk uh, areas, and that's multiple units. Um, but that was six thousand ninety six total tags, with eight hundred and thirty eight going to private. That's only fourteen percent of the tags. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, I, yeah. I I just that whole fifty so, fifty do- just doesn't work. There's another there's another point in here that I think that I think you wanted to segue into, and so give us the numbers for the tags sold versus the authorizations issued. Yeah, and, and so, so we did we touched on that uh, you know a little bit ago. Um, so in 2019 authorizations, yeah, I, I did say this earlier. 8,491 authorizations issued, only 6,347 of them were sold. So 25% of those tags were not sold. The key, the key factor in that is this, to me. Um, one of the things written in that post was that a vast majority of tags, or half the tags, were going to a few private landowners who were selling them for lots and lots of American dollars. The numbers don't show that either. Lots and lots of <laughs> But yeah. The numbers don't show that either. What, what the numbers show to me is that they're not just selling these tags to sell them. Otherwise, they would all be sold. If right? these land, yeah, if these if these landowners were were the greedy SOBs that they're painted out to be, wouldn't they be selling every single one of those tags exactly. for as much as they possibly exactly. could? Exactly, one hundred percent. You know, if it come down to late season and they had that tag and it was a week away and they had it at a $10,000 price tag, they'd drop it down to 2000 so they could sell it. But they're not. They're holding on to it because 
the quality of their herd. A lot of these landowners, some of them I know, they get authorizations, but they don't sell all of the authorizations because they're managing their herds. They want they want yep. a better herd, better quality hunt, so they can get more for it. So they actually care about the herd. You know, um, yeah, it's not just about getting the tag and selling the tag. And a lot of times what us public hunters do, and I'm going to lump myself in with them, is it's all about drawing that tag. And it can't be about yeah. just drawing the tag. It also has to be about conservation. It also has to be about bringing new hunters in the system. It has to be about more than just us. Yeah. And so um, before I get into secondary, I think that's a – I wanted to talk about kind of the idea or, or the, the impression that I get from – from the New Mexico BHA on what they want. And I never got any, I never got any pushback. So I don't know if I'm right or not, or if I touched a nerve or whatever, but um, to me, it seems like they want access to private lands for public hunters. Yeah. Um, first of all, uh, public lands are fantastic. They're great. I love them. I hunt them. I'm a firm believer in them. Uh, but when you look at, you know, uh, I, I've heard the phrase that you know public lands are, are our birthright. No, they're not. When this country was founded, it was founded on the idea of private, private land, land and private landowners. Yeah. Private land ownership, and so I, I have, I have, you know, a foot on both sides of that fence. I believe both of them are good, and there's a, there's a there's a strong balance to strike there um, to benefit wildlife, and which I think is the key here. Is, is it about the wildlife? Um, for the landowners, sometimes it's not always about the wildlife, but it's about their livestock, which in turn benefits the wildlife. And so um, I heard, I've heard before from, from the New Mexico BHA um, that they think that the landowners should be compensated in some other fashion other than other than the the tags, well, like we went through that. It's authorizations, not tags. And so, whenever I hear that, what I, what, I, how are we going to compensate them? If it's monetarily, where do you think that money's coming from? Because it's not coming from the general public. It's going to be coming from the hunters, trappers, and anglers who actually buy a license. And so now, what we're doing, what we're going to do, if that's if that's the plan to monetarily compensate these landowners for housing the public's wildlife. And I can tell you from experience, there are some landowners out there that would, if they didn't get those authorizations as a, um, as a compensation, they would say, and I've had this said to my face, you come get your damn wildlife off my place. I don't want it. Yeah. And And so what's going to happen is hunters, trappers, and anglers, are going to monetarily have to pay out the nose to these landowners who are now going to value those wildlife higher than the public values of those wildlife. And now, not only are we paying for those wildlife, not we're not going to get to hunt them because the landowner is going to say, screw you, oh, you ain't come on my place, anyway. come get your animals. Yeah. 
but also nobody else is going to get to hunt them. And so now we have these animals on this place that we're paying for that nobody can use. And and so additionally, 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 let me, let me finish this thought before I lose it. Additionally, if their, if their intention is to get more public tags, that's, that doesn't work because the landscape won't hold those animals and the animal populations won't handle the pressure that all those tags would create. And, and They're going to run right back to private land and you're not going to see a single friggin' animal except for on private land and we can't hunt yeah. those now. And this has been my main point about this entire thing the, the whole time. I was planning on getting to it later, but I'll, I'll just uh, uh, expand on what you just said. Um, we, we talked about the 50-50 split earlier, all right? There's there's 1,000 tags available and 50% private and 50% public, right? And, and, and it'll support 25% harvest of those 1,000 tags, right? So they give out 1,000 tags expecting a 25% harvest. 500 of them are on private. 500 of them are on public, if they take away those 500, they've got two options. They can either make it to where the landowners have to let us on their property, which is BS. Screw you. Welcome to America. Get your ass off my property. I almost looked off the camera, but I didn't. Um, that's, what's, that's what we're going to meet, right? The yeah. other, the other yeah. option is to increase the tags on the public land. Tags on the public Okay, because that's what they want is opportunity, right, for us to get out there. But then it's that's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to have – they can't shift those in all the 500 tags over there, but let's say they take 200 more tags over there. Do you? How many people, when they're putting in for hunts, they look at how many other hunters are going to be on that hunt at the same time? You know, How many people want to hunt the early hunts because they don't want to hunt late hunts because they don't want all the animals to be choused for two months by the time they get an opportunity to go after them? All of that's just going to get worse, and we don't want that. Yeah. Not only do we want opportunity, but we want it to be – a good opportunity you know we don't want to flood the public woods with 500 more hunters because they can't get on the private that's stupid yeah ever ever, many people have been in in an area that is considered an opportunity hunt and Mm -hmm. for the most part those are extremely tough hunts because the population is very low and a lot of times you don't even see an see an animal um and that's and that's what's going to happen if and coming back to the point that i made earlier if if you're claiming that the landowner system is is against uh, or and uh, you know does not fit the north american model of wildlife conservation which again that's not it's that's not true. like a thing that that was just a study on what has worked to this point Right. Go back and listen to our North American and just, model and just podcast. Quick, just quick squirrel. E plus is the closest one we have now because we yeah. kicked out, we well, kicked me, out the antelope. I'm going to get into that. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to get into that. But um, if you truly care about the resource, you would not want to put that much pressure on our public lands because that, I mean, where else are those tags going to go? Nobody's right. going to get to use them, basically. Um, so that kind of brings me into like the secondary management. And those are basically herds that, that the game and fish is not concerned with. And they're kind of outside of what they consider the typical habitat for elk. 
And so without regard to population or habitat or uh, anything else, those landowners can go ahead and harvest those animals as much as they want, sell as many licenses as they want. This is the same system that we have for antelope and that we have for deer. In my personal opinion, if you, if you as a hunter wanted to truly manage the wildlife of New Mexico, the antelope system that we used to have was the bet, the closest I would say that we had to that. And it was, it provided the most access for public hunters to landlock public lands. Because That's a huge thing right now. They're talking about screaming about landlock public lands because the way that that system used to work before we went to the, just the over the counter, everybody can kill them. Um, is if you had, again, let's take real quick round numbers. If you had a 10,000 acre ranch and you wanted to sign up so that you could sell authorizations for antelope and let's say 25% of your ranch was landlocked state land. I'm, I'm going to use personal experience up here in Northeast New Mexico because that's generally what's up here is state land. If it had landlocked state land, that was 25% of that 10,000 acres or let's say 50% for round numbers. And you got 10 hunters, 10 pronghorn hunters, you would have five assigned to um, five assigned to private. And then you would have that ranch would have five public hunters assigned to that ranch. Mm -hmm. And the way that used to work is they would call the landowner and say, this is, you know, I'm coming for this hunt. And for the most part, those landowners liked that system because they knew who was good going to be coming on their property they knew who was going to be hunting it um you know very few problems with that other than you know some people making mistakes or or doing something dumb um most every landowner that i talked to especially when they they changed the antelope system were against the change because they liked the system the way it was and that that system provided i would say in the northeast corner of the state it provided nearly probably 70 to 85 percent of the land mass got hunted and those public land hunters got to hunt not only the state land that was on that ranch but also the private land was on that and vice versa Mm -hmm. and so it was a benefit on both sides the ranch owner or the landowner got to tell his hunters you get to hunt my entire ranch you don't have to carve out this little deal Um, it provided game and fish with access to the ranch so that they could make sure that everybody was playing fair and doing fair chase. Um, and, you know, occasionally you would you would have some problems occasionally, but for the most part, it really worked well in the Northeast. It didn't work well in the Southeast, and I don't know why. And I think I know why, but I'm just going to speculate here. In the Northeast, we had a big game biologist who would take – if the landowners didn't sign up, they would take large, contiguous, accessible pieces of public land and make it a public land ranch and assign landowner or assign public hunters anyways. I don't know that that was happening in the southeast. Can't say for sure, but that's my speculation. Yeah. Um, that should have been happening. Anyways, that to me was a system that gave the game and fish complete management over that species mm-hmm. in those on those private lands so we are now in the public trust additionally it provided unprecedented access 
of public hunters to not only public land, but also private land. And it was a great, it was a great um, collaboration between landowners and the public. That's how we ended up taking a world record antelope out of New Mexico. Exactly. And if you ask my opinion, that is something that should be emulated. It's a lot of work for Game and Fish. I'm not going to lie, because you got to go out and map all these ranches, and every year the landowner's got to provide deeds and et cetera, et cetera. But when you talk about the resource and talk about about managing, that's, I mean, how much better can you get in access? Doing the right thing, doing the right thing is typically not the easiest, you know. Um, no. But but you're absolutely right. The best managed herd that we had in New Mexico was the A-plus system. Um, you know, our mule deer numbers are, have been on decline. And, and I would imagine, I don't have scientific evidence in front of me to back this up, but it's because the landowners have been able to do what they want when they want for a long time. There's been no management yeah. on private land. Uh, we have some management with the elk tags right now, and I'd hate to see us lose that. I, I, I really would. Yeah. Um, there's there's going to be a lot of things that – there's going to be a lot of bad things that happen if we lose the E-plus system. Again, there's some tweaks that need to be made. But I, I even look at this, all right? Just, just step outside of hunting for a minute – and think about the um, New Mexico economy, all right? Yes. The the number of non-residents that purchase these private land hunts are large, and that's a lot of money. And and tourism in the form of hunting is a big chunk of the New Mexico economy. And if you kick off Correct. all of those hunters that are paying thousands and thousands of dollars, I I mean tens of probably hundreds of thousands of dollars, into New Mexico, and that money comes into New Mexico. A lot of it does. Some of those landowners are are non-residents, but a lot of them are residents. A lot of that money comes to New Mexico and stays in New Mexico. Those hunters come here, and they spend money here in restaurants, and they provide jobs, and all kinds of things like that. And if you take that out, two things are going to happen. One... That money's not going to come into New Mexico from out of state. But the other is that money is still needed, so now who's going to provide it? We are. The public land hunters are the ones that are going to have to compensate for that loss. And that will suck. You know? Yeah. There's a lot of people that can't afford, and I, myself so included, to apply for every single animal across the board every year. And that's just going to get worse when all the yeah. prices go up because we have to subsidize all of those um, hunting stuff. So check it out. We're not done with this podcast. Um, we've got plenty more to talk about, but we've only got a minute and 30 seconds remaining on this live feed. So what we're going to do for our current listeners, we're going to end it and we're going to start another one because we've still got plenty more to talk about. So give us a couple of minutes. Come yep. back and join us again. Awesome. Apparently, I have to put 
deal on here. Here we go. You ready, Kyle? I'm going to have to rejoin you. Oh, love the technical difficulties here. Kyle Jackson, where are you? Kyle Jackson, where are you? I'm going to have to start singing the Jeopardy song here pretty quick. Hey, we're back. We're back. I sent an invite to Gear Junkie Jerry. Did you? <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't. Nice. I don't think he joined though. Nice. Oh, all right. Where were we? All right. We were talking about uh, the antelope system oh, and, yeah. and how it was a, is oh, a good New uh, Mexico economy. A good good way to run. Yeah. New Mexico economy. So. Uh, uh, yeah, we we went through that, and and I think that that's another thing to keep into consideration is all that money that comes through there. Um, mm-hmm. You were talking about there's a couple of other things that I want to point out here. One, you you were talking about the um, small contributing ranches in the secondary management. Zone. Well, there's no small contributing ranches in the secondary management zone, but just the secondary management zone. So one right. thing I want to point out here is, and it's something that I didn't believe in, when when they were going through these changes, right, for, for the E-plus system uh, a year or two ago, um, one of the things that they did was, uh, I don't know how to get Jerry on here, but uh, one of the things that they did was outside of the core, or what's now the secondary management zone, you could basically have as many licenses as you wanted you just had to go through a process with the department of game and fish there was no real limit on the number Correct. That you they could get. so they would give you they would give you a, they would give you a number and then um if you needed more you could go back and request more uh, authorizations yeah exactly so what they did is to change is because there was no real reason to do that right they'd give you as many as you want why make it hard yeah right so they changed it to just over-the-counter. And a lot of people were complaining, saying, oh, they're just going to be able to buy as many as they want, and it's going to go crazy. So 2018 authorizations, 2,979. Mm-hmm. After the change, 3,163. They didn't go crazy. Yeah. And that's statewide. So you're, you're, you're looking at 184 tax. Outside of the yeah. core management zone, so in the secondary management zone, that's just not that's not going crazy. 
that's a that's some extra tags but it's not crazy it's not yep. it's not a huge number and, and i can guarantee you the the majority of those new tags what happened was you have a small landowner who can now do something because they fit the criteria. There are no criteria, so they yeah, fit the criteria yeah. to be able to hunt elk. They don't have to go through all and the And they pain. give permission. Yeah, and they go th- and they give permission. Um, I would guarantee you, um, maybe not say guarantee, but I would bet you good money that the majority of those extra landowner tags or landowner um Actually, now it's just trespass fee. So the the extra licenses that were bought in that secondary management zone um, ended up being probably local residents because they got permission from the, from their friend or buddy who had you know fifteen twenty acres, and every now and then you see elk on it. Mm-hmm. That that would be my guess. Uh, but for the most part, again, those landowners and especially the large landowners, they're. they're they're already managing. They're already doing this stuff, yes. and they're managing it um, well. Yeah, the it's, benefit it's to having the private land. Well, not only that, but the benefits of having private lands. I can tell you this from experience because I've worked on both sides of the fence. Is the speed at which you can get habitat work done versus public land? Public land it takes so long. You have so much red tape. Again, this is good because you have lots of different stakeholders that have a say, et cetera, et cetera. But landowners, they want a, they want a, a water, whether it's wildlife or livestock, they can have it in next week as long as they can pay somebody to come put it in. Yep. Um, it, there's some really fantastic habitat, habitat work being done by, by private landowners. And a lot of times... It's unintentional. They're trying to put in a new water for for livestock. Guess what? Deer start showing up. Yep. Um, the deer start showing up. Guess what? Lions start showing up. Uh, now you've got an outfitter uh, or a local who likes to hunt dog, you know, hunt dogs or something like that. Now you've got, uh, you know, a, an economic benefit to that uh, rather than more than just the landowner benefit. And it just kind of keeps snowballing from there. Uh, again. I don't see. I don't see. I don't see what the drive. I do see, but there shouldn't be the drive to be, you know, attacking the private landowners because you don't know what they do. Right. You don't get, no. get on their place. So there, there's another. There, there's another thing right there. So one of the points that was made was. In, in that post was that uh, half of the tags are going to a few landowners and they're not even selling a lot of those tags. Now that part is true. Um, so if we look at the numbers in 2019, um, we'll look at five to 10,000 and 10 to 10,000 plus acres. So five to 10,000 acre lands, um, 720 of the tags authorizations were sold and 383 were not sold. So, so 35% of those tags were not sold. Um, 10,000 plus acres, 970 were sold. 1,068 were not sold. So 54%. These are probably due to good management, um, uh, uh, good management practices by these landowners. Um, 
And I, I can understand that. So especially when you take a look at, okay, this is what can be um, successful. This, this is the number that we can take off of the property, right? Uh, mm-hmm. when you when you look at public land and you look at private land and you look at the herd and you say this is the number that we can successfully harvest um, and private landowners aren't selling all those tags so they're managing differently than we're managing on public land so this could be an area where some changes can be made um, I don't know what changes need to be made it's their property uh, um, these are large ranches not small ranches um the smaller 1,000 to 5,000 acre ranches, only 14% weren't sold. So the smaller the ranch, the higher the percentage of tags sold, um, according yeah. to the numbers. So when you look at that, I mean, seriously, what are we doing? Why? What is the big deal? Um, there, there's no uproar there. A person could probably say, "Okay, listen. If that's all you sold last year was nine hundred and seventy, I'm not giving you twelve. You know, uh, twelve hundred this year. I'm only giving you a thousand. What's the change? Are right. you going to take those two hundred tags and, and move and them that, over to the public land? Because I'm not in favor of that. Because the public land system yeah, and is well, managed and that, and that's for a specific actually, reason. And I can tell you that's actually what's happening is that." Um, those large, and that's why that E plus change, especially in the primary zone, happened, was because there were a large number of licenses that were not being used. And so they're saying, okay, well, that doesn't look, the game fish said that doesn't look good to the public, which it doesn't, because they're thinking, well, why can't we have those licenses? First of all, you can't have those licenses because the public land can't handle those licenses. Exactly. But secondly, um, because, you know, the, those landowners are, are, properly managing their lands but they would look at it and they say okay um we they're not using those licenses let's just go ahead and and take those licenses and remove them from the from the pool um and now you don't have the the probability of there being a misunderstanding of this exact thing so these they're getting all these licenses um, and so good on the good on the department for doing that. Um, we have to be better as as the public, as public landowners to recognize when something is being done right and giving kudos where where it should be done. But again, I'm gonna, we don't have the right to that public land. I'm going to play devil's advocate really quick because I'm not sure that the department is doing that because the numbers for 2018 for 10,000 plus acre land was 55% not sold and the number for 2019 was 54% not sold with more being sold in 2019 so the the, the basic numbers are still there um, so I'm not sure that they did decrease those numbers as a matter of fact for 10,000 plus acres the numbers went up um, in 2018 with 55% not being sold they had uh, 1,829 tags and in 2019 they got 1,975 tags so they actually got more tags so again I want to make I want to make very clear that that's probably yeah. a factor of the new 
um, of the new grading criteria. Good. Not no, a this, factor this is, of that they're taking away that. This is not. This is not small contributing ranches. This is ten thousand plus acre ranches, which is different. Different system. Okay. Okay. So. Okay. Um, so that and that's one of the points that was made in that in that uh, post uh, is that a lot of these tags aren't being sold. Um, so. According to the numbers from the department from 2018 to 2019, um, they only used about 45% of the tags, um, and the next year they still ended up getting more tags, more authorizations than they did the previous year. So that is probably an area where a tweak can be made, where what you were saying you thought was happening is probably something that should yeah. happen. So if they right. got, if if they got, so there was 1,975 tags uh, given. Um, in, in the primary management zone of 2019, and they only used 907 of them. So, I mean, you can't drop it down to we're only going to give you 907 tags this year, but you can drop it down to 1,200 from 1,900 and say, hey, y'all didn't use them. You know? And yeah. granted, well, you'd so, have to do that so on a case-by-case case basis. Go ahead. So here's a question. So what was what was the percentage used in 2018 versus 2019? So in 2018, 45% of the tags were used. In 2019, 46% okay. of the tags were used. But okay. in, so in, 2000, that, in 2018, they, they received 1,700 tags. And in 2019, they received 18, 1,900 tags almost. So, okay, so, so that's, the, that's the point I'm going to get at, though, is tags were issued, but there was actually an increase in the number of tags that were used. 45 in 18, 46 in 19. And so that's the percentage you need to look at because 46% of 1,900 is more tags used than 45% of 1,700. Correct. Yeah, they used they used 831 tags in 2018, and they used 907 yep. in 2019. Um, my point is that, you know, give credit where credit is due. If they're not going to use those tags... Like you said, public perception is a real thing. They shouldn't be getting 1,900 tags because that 1,900 yeah. tags, when they don't use 1,068 tags, because that's what they didn't sell was the 1,068 tags, um, they should be like, well, because the public sees that, and they're like, well, they're getting all these tags, and they're not even using them, and we should get them. So to eliminate that, you lower that number. You know, That way there's only 200 tags Possibly. being not used. There's a lot of criteria that possibly, but here's that. yeah, but so so here's a here's a rebuttal that I'll have that I'll, I'll give you for those large ranches. Um, they they have those tags, uh, and some of those ranches are doing uh, large scale. I mean, doing their own surveys mm -hmm. and things like that, and so they may be seeing uh, trends, population trends that make them not use that. But here. And then they're going to lose them. But then here in a, a year, that population trend, uh, or here in two years, that population trend changes. And so now they're going to have to go through all this process to get them back. Whereas uh, the, I'm, I don't know, but yeah, again, know. just kind of speculating I, here. The game of fish says the game of fish says, okay, we know you're probably not going to use all these, but you, you know, here they are because we can't use them anywhere else. Sure, and that's and that's fine. I'm I'm. I'm pointing out that they were right about that part in the article. You know, yeah, in, yeah. in that post, they were right. They're they're especially the larger ranches. 
as you go to smaller, smaller, smaller ranches, the percentage of the tags being used goes up. So, um, yeah, and I, I agree, Jerry, those are for, you know, those aren't for public lands, but it's a stick being but that's used. that's not the perception. It's a stick. It's, all right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like if you get in a fight and you take a knife, you don't want that knife to get taken away from you and used against you, right? That's kind of the point I'm making here. They've got 1,068 tags that they did not use. Now, that's spread out over multiple ranches. Now, there's not a ton yeah. of of, of, of 10,000-plus acre ranches out there, but there's plenty. And that's spread out over all of them. That's not, you know, those, those 1,068 tags. But there's 1,068 tags that are getting allocated to them and then not used, and then the people see that number, and they go, what the hell? I can't draw a tag, but yeah. these bastards are getting 1,068 tags that they're not using. That's a stick that and, we don't and, want and to talking, give them to use. Yeah, but also talking to Jerry's point, the, the problem is, again, misinformation. Some Somebody like the post that was posted by NMBHA saying, this is what's happening when in reality it's not. Um, and so, uh, again, let's let's take the 16 or the 1900 versus the 37,000 total elk licenses that were sold. That is such a minuscule number of licenses to be worried about when the public obviously gets the vast majority licenses. Yeah. And, and, but it's a simple fix to me. You've got, you know, you give a ranch a hundred tags. They only use 50 of them. So next year you give them 60 tags and if they say if they decide they want to use more, you've got last year's data that you gave them 100. They just got to call up and say, "Hey, I, I need those 40 extra tags." It's not that I can, hard. I can I can tell you that 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 system is supposed to be used, whether it's being done by the local biologist yeah. or not. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but I can tell you that that was built into the system. Yeah. That was supposed to be how it was. Yeah. It just, I just, I, I hate them having that stick to use. I, I, I don't like it because the public perception, when they look at it, they're not going to research it like we do. That's why we do these podcasts. But, well, hopefully now they'll have the information to use. Yeah, we exactly. prefer them go get their own information, but yeah. you're welcome to use ours because our numbers are right. Yeah. And not even our numbers, their department's numbers. But that, this yeah. isn't my spreadsheet. <laughs> Like I said, our numbers are right. Yep. So, that they are. Anyways, I think kind of to wrap all this up, I think New Mexico New Mexico has been innovative in wildlife management since it's in New Mexico Game and Fish has been innovative in wildlife management since its inception um, in the you know early 1900s, actually before that. Um they were the first to trap and transplant pronghorn antelope. They, I mean, they were the first to start instituting, uh, they, they were the first to come up with the OGT hotline. Um, they were the first in instituting many uh, practices and hunter, hunter education programs to start um, boosting hunter numbers in new mexico that's evident by the numbers new mexico is one of the states that is bucking the trend of declining hunter numbers and so um 
I think they're on the front line of recognizing some of these, some of these, you know, wildlife management trends and doing something about it. I think we took a step back with the pronghorn system, but I think the elk system is good, but could be tweaked. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line of where I, where I stand. Um, I, I'm not gonna, I'm knocking BHA on this. I will stand with BHA whenever I, I, whenever they're doing something that I think is good. I am open to any of them coming on the podcast and talking about this uh, because that dialogue is what helps us move forward rather than bashing each other on Facebook, which we don't, we don't do. Um, this, this, please understand if you're a BHA member, especially a New Mexico chapter BHA member, this is not to bash you. This is to, tell you please be involved and know what your leadership is doing because sometimes it's not up it's not on the up and up you need to be involved um we're just we're i mean that that's all we're doing we'll bring you the numbers and tell you exactly what it is and call the bs yeah 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 because the numbers that they 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 posted were not correct uh you know we've done this before we had the same we had the same probably even more so uh, uh, back and forth with the Wildlife Federation, you know. Mm-hmm. They brought numbers. It, it wasn't wasn't the article or, or, or even the idea that we had a problem with. It was the BS numbers. Misre- uh, misrepresentation um, of information. Exactly. And, and that is what, you know, here, we've said it several times during this podcast. Partic- I think E plus has some room for improvement for sure, but I think getting rid of it and going to a, a pure public system would be crazy. Uh, and I would not be a I would not be a, a supporter of going to the antelope system for elk either. Um, even though I think, um, in large part, here's the thing: in large part, public land or private landowners, especially large private landowners. They're going to manage their properties pretty good, you know, and it shows that with the numbers with, you know, when you look at, at, at the numbers of tags being sold on these large ranches, um, they're only using a certain number of their tax. You know, they're not buying into the, I'm going to sell them all at 7,000 rather than selling a few at 15. Um, their, their quality management, their the good management practices because they care. Some of the small ranches not so much not all of them but some of the smaller ranches not so much and those are the ones that you worry about those are the ones that i worry Mm -hmm. about anyway is if a small ranch gets the opportunity to buy as many as he can um we're gonna have weird spikes uh because a small ranch will sell you know or multiple small ranches will sell multiple bull tags to multiple people for a couple of years and kill all the elk especially if they're unit wide and and skew the numbers until people figure out well you know that person's not worth it's not worth going to that property anymore so then they quit yeah and but, that's where but it's get, very it's very difficult yeah. and that and that's and that's one of the arguments is that that's going to work itself out but i think your point about the harvest reporting shows that that's not necessarily true did we talk about that, or do we talk about that before the podcast? No, we talked about that before the podcast. So, so basically, what that is um, is 
So I was looking at the numbers and, you know, harvest reporting percentages for public land hunts typically rides around 98, 99 to 100% for, for, for public land hunters, residents. Um, private land, um, private land harvest reporting is very low, typically below 60%. Um, Mm-hmm. because a lot of those people, like you say, they're not coming back next year, so they don't care. Um, yeah. And and even if they just pay the fine later, a couple years down the road when they come back and they still report, well, those that, that data is already out there, and and yeah. they're not going to have the chance to adjust it, especially, you know, if, if you're, you know, two years away from your four-year cycle, they're looking at that information now, not later, and you've only got 54, 55, 56% harvest report data. Um, it's something yeah. to, to me, well, that- it's something that to me that it, this is a change that I would make. I would put that onus on the private landowner. You're not going to get any more private land tags next year. If you got 10 this year and you only report on nine of them, I'm, I'm only going to give you nine tags next year. You, they, they should be reporting well, if they're selling to non-residents. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play devil's advocate yeah, here and are. say that's something that's probably not gonna get done, simply because then, then you're gonna have skewed numbers because they're just gonna go in and do it, um, just to just to be able to get the get their their numbers. But I think what the private land harvest data shows, the reporting data shows is that possibly that that is you know that assumption that that will work itself out is not true that you have enough people coming out and i've seen this you know they somebody buys a hunt and they go to it and then they end up having a crappy hunt because it's 10 acres in the backwoods and um you know it was not a reputable person and so they want something done. It's like, well, I'm sorry. If you could, if you would have called me and asked me about that, I'd have told you not to do that. But uh, you know, many people just buy a hunt because they want to. They want an elk hunt, yeah. and it's it's the right price. And they're going to leave the state and say, "Oh, I was stupid. I'm not going to do that again." And they won't, you know, do that uh, harvest data because they don't plan on coming back. And so I think that's something to worry to at least take into consideration with these with these small ranches in in these secondary zones where they're just selling as many as they can um who, who who's to say uh, again i've said this before but I'll, I'll say it again wildlife management is not a is not a perfect science we're working off of at least a year old to two year old data trying to project what populations are going to do and then project how much of that population can we sustainably harvest uh, without having to impact, notwithstanding all the other environmental factors that you have to deal with. So it's it's imperfect. The wildlife professionals that do this, they're trying their very best, and I, and I can say this for a fact because I was there. Th- their primary concern is how do we get more landowner tags in landowner hands and how we provide better access for the public um and the private land system is a way to recognize that there is benefit in having good habitat on private land to support public land hunting 
That's it in a nutshell. Um, I I have great confidence in the New Mexico Department of Game and Fish. Um, one of the reasons is, is because, like you said earlier, the, the numbers are going up. Hunting numbers uh, in participation in New Mexico is going up, uh, which is opposite of what most of the nation is doing. Uh, and one of the reasons has got to be because we're doing some things right. Um, a couple of the things that we're doing right are, are number one, not having a point system. And, and that allows new hunters to get in the door. Um, mm-hmm. And that's how you get those numbers to go up. Um, yep. a, another another uh, thing is, you know, we, we do... The, the, the chances of drawing a non-resident tag are pretty tough, but... Um, it's it's better than in a lot of places, um, and especially when you think about like BLM and and Forest Service, that's national land. That's not state land. So non-residents have a right to come and use that land. So that's something that we do right as well. And and I would like to con- I would like to continue to see those numbers go up. So I don't want to restrict the possibility of that happening. Yep. Yep. I, I hope, I hope we kind of open some eyes with this podcast. I hope if you're listening to it, you can see where we're coming from and, and know, um, we've been accused of, of loving private land and I'll say, yep, I do love private land because I, I think they provide some great stuff, but we are public land hunters, period. Yep. We benefit from private land in certain ways, but we are, primarily public land hunters and we think um we think that there is room for both and that the collaboration between public and private should be encouraged not vilified yeah cooperation period across you know like like you said it there there's good things and there's bad about you know all i mean we don't get everything right but um there has to be better ways, better dialogue, uh, better misrepresenting data to me is just a very, very bad thing. It's, it's one thing to make a mistake yeah. with your numbers and be like, oops, I, I messed that up. Sorry about that. We, we've, you know, we've kind of gone head to head with a couple of uh, organizations um, over that. And there was never a, a yeah, sorry about that. You know, our number kind of skewed. It, it, it's it's agenda driven, and it can't be that. It has to be about the wildlife. It has to be about New Mexico, um, and it has to be about a collaborative effort with all parties: non-residents, private landowners, public landowners, um, non-hunters, anti-hunters, all of it. You, you know, there they we all have a seat at the table in our public lands because that's what you know public means, and. Um, that doesn't mean that we, sh- you know, I, I say I trust the Department of Game and Fish, but that doesn't mean when they do something stupid like get rid of the A-plus system for antelope that you don't, you know, fight to keep it. Um, but try to use good information, good data, uh, and don't misrepresent crap because that pisses Kyle off. He was mad bastard about this one. <laughs> I was really mad about it. <laughs> and Kyle doesn't go off. That's usually my job. That's usually wrong. On his job, right. we switch roles, but um, yeah. good. that's good. That's good. I was glad for it to happen. All right, guys, um, that's going to be <laughs> it for tonight. I don't know what we have next week, but um, hunting season is in full effect. Um, I've seen lots and lots of, of 
antelope pictures on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and stuff. Jealous. Jealous and a little concerned. I, I don't want to get off on another topic, but, you know, we talked about that whole – there's a lot of antelope being taken right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's concerning. It's concerning. I don't want to see that herd decimated. But, but um, deer season, elk season coming up here in a couple of weeks. Very excited about that. I got an elk hunt coming up about a month. Um, oh, arrow slinger man's going to be uh, hitting the woods after some deers here pretty quick. Um, so, uh, congratulations, to, con- congratulations to everybody that's already got one. Uh, good luck to everybody that's fixing to go get one and we'll see y'all next week. You bet. Adios. Adios. Thanks for joining Not a Grande Outdoors podcast. Come follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And don't forget about our website, www.notagrandeoutdoors.com. Adios. Adios.